Welcome to GRIT, the Real Estate Growth Mindset Podcast, hosted by Brian Charlesworth, founder of Sisu. Sisu provides growth automation software for real estate. You'll hear stories from real estate thought and technology leaders, team owners, and brokers on how they grew their business in a rapidly changing industry. You'll learn how to transform your brokerage and teams into a high-performing and analytics-driven business so you have a new, durable, competitive advantage against disruption in your market. So let's get right into it. All right, everyone. Welcome back to The Grit Podcast. It's Brian Charlesworth here. And uh, today I'm here with Jeff Quinton. As you all know, I'm the CEO of Sisu, the growth automation software for real estate. And uh, Jeff Quinton is the CEO, team owner uh, of the Quinton Group. And, you know, when I met Jeff, it was about, geez, probably two and a half years ago. It was at a KW event. Frank Klesitz uh, was gracious enough to introduce us at a dinner. Anyway, since then, we, we've come a long ways together. So yeah. uh, Jeff is a great customer of ours at Sisu, and I'm looking forward to having him on the show today. So Jeff, anything you want to add to that? No, I just want to say it's an honor and pleasure to be here, Brian. I appreciate it. And, and for sure, uh, your, your system, your product has come a long way. And, and we're very grateful to be part of that, uh, that journey and, and, uh, and also customer as well. So thank you for that. Yeah, our pleasure. We, we, always, uh, we always love seeing people grow with us. And so it's been, a lot, it's been a fun journey for us. Yeah, for sure. So on your website, Jeff, you talk about you have a super team. What is the definition of a super team? What is that? Tell us more about what you have. Yeah, you know, I would just say that you know, a super team itself, you know, um, is, is I think a, a group of agents that we have are very highly skilled. Um, when you take a look at some other teams, you know, you have a lot of large teams these days. Um, you know, if you look at our team as far as average per person productivity uh, comes from, you know, just being good at what they do, I think through scripts and skills and, and being dedicated to a schedule and just being a, a lot of a lot of discipline in their in their world and their life when it comes to real estate, um, so that's what we a lot of times coach and train on. And and um, you know the uh, the word super I think is something we just we we threw in there as, as almost a tagline to what we do. And you know I, I guess I would define it that way. It's just a it's a group of individuals that have just you know they're kind of just dedicated to their craft, you know, and and they practice a lot and they uh, and we coach on that a whole bunch. Okay, so. You just hit on some points that I think are so important in today's market. Let's talk about discipline first. Sure. I think so many people think they can get into the market today and they can just, you know, start selling houses and they don't need to have the skills. And I mean, if you, if you look at an NBA player, any professional athlete, how often do they practice? And I, t- I take an NBA player just because, uh, I've heard so many of them talk about shooting a hundred free throws a day. And, you know, you watch them in warmups, they'll take the same shot like 20 times and they'll move to the next spot, 20 shots, next spot, 20 shots. It's so important in real estate, but most yeah. don't do that. So talk about how do you motivate your team to do that? How do you get them to really want to do that? And if they're not willing to, do they squeeze themselves out of your team or how does that work? Yeah, I mean, so I guess a few thoughts on it. You know, I, I think that when most people get into real estate or when they're thinking about getting into real estate and they look at real estate agents, the way that, you know, agents um, they're perceived, I guess, is that um, they can kind of do what they want, when they want, how they want. 
and not really have a boss or have a schedule or have any real, real discipline, right? They, they want to kind of be free. And the yep. challenge is all the reasons why they see or perceive that they want to get in the real estate business is all the reasons why those agents are actually failing out because they're not being disciplined, right? All the reasons they say, oh, I don't, I want to get into real estate because I don't want to, you know, have to be, you know, I don't want to schedule and I want to do whatever I want. I don't want to have a, a boss in any way or have this like as a real job. Well, all those same reasons why they want to get in and they, they don't treat it that way. It's all the reasons why they're failing out. And so, you know, when, when someone joins our organization, they're going to notice right away that, you know, uh, discipline is a big part of it. Accountability is a big part of it. There's a few pillars that we, we want to make sure of. So anyone joining us, one, they've got to have the drive, right? They got to have that tiger in the eye. They got to be motivated to want to make money because that's what we're, we're going to focus on is, is what money can do for them, their goals and so forth. Uh, two, they're going to be somebody that's going to seek structure and accountability and discipline, right? They want to have, they need to have that, you know, in their life because we're going to coach around that as part of our other pillar. Thirdly, uh, you know, they're going to have the, the tiger in the eye, accountability, discipline. They got to be coachable, right? Third's got to be coachability, like really willing to have, uh, you know, that blind faith and willing to listen to other successful things that have, that have led uh, in the past. Um, and then lastly, it's just being a team player. So there's kind of the four things. But, you know, ultimately, I think in all of this, it comes down to discipline of doing those things every day that you typically sometimes don't want to do. It's a discipline of the repetitious boredom of doing something over and over again and doing on the days you don't want to. Like those basketball players doing the free throws, they're probably before they get on the court going, oh, my gosh, I've got to take another 100 shots from this from this position, this spot. And I do this day in and day out like it, it, it's a grind right to them more or less. Or it may start to be like, you know, a thing that they might in their mentally say, God, I got to go do this again. However, they understand the benefits and they understand how to win. And that's the discipline part that they have to go ahead and do it, whether they want to do it or not. Right. Almost every professional person out there, professional athlete, professional actor, actress, whatever it may be, they are studying, they're practicing, they're recording, they are writing like they're, they're viewing themselves you know, same thing. It, it, I use the analogy of, of an NFL football, right? NFL uh, yeah. uh, football quarterback, you know, an NFL qu- quarterback right now, the average time that an NFL quarterback holds the ball during a game from the time it's snapped into their hand until they actually pass it. The average time is holding that ball for 11 minutes. And yet they'll practice almost 11 hours a day for six days a week. And, you know, they'll show up at 6 a.m. and leave at 5 a.m. But what they're going to do from 6 a.m. to 5 a.m., they're going to run those plays after play. They're going to watch videos. They're going to work out. They're going to study the other teams. They're going to do all those things. And yet they're going to practice 60 hours a week for 11-minute presentation. And then we have realtors that don't do any of that. They have no discipline. And they have an average income of 25000 But then you have the average NFL player that makes $25 million. But you got to see the difference between how much time they spend practicing. So... You know, that's the thing that we do. We, we, we put a lot of emphasis on, our, on, on the discipline of practice. I love, I love what you're saying. You said one thing, though, that I, I want to, I, I just want to discuss it a little deeper with you. You know, you talked about the grind, if you will, and, you know, them going out on the court and being like, oh, I have to take more shots or something. And I think some have that mentality. But then you have the people like, and I think this is where Kobe Bryant stood out to everybody because he was always the first one on the court and the last one off because he was passionate about being the best. Right. And so if you can, if you can shift that from being a grind to being a passion and you know, as the money starts flowing in, it's pretty easy to, to make that shift. 
but when the money's not flowing in, it's a grind, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. So, so anyway, I'm glad I'm glad you positioned it like that, Jeff, because I think it's so important. What we always do is we look at it and say, okay, really understanding and strengthening that link between the goals you have and the the activities that you need to get to the goals, and making sure that you have a a burning desire to achieve something greater than you or to achieve those goals, right? To have that passion of wanting to do something, whether that is winning the game or, or as you continue to win the real estate game, because of that financially, I'm able to do this, right? And it's just strengthening the link between what's out there and then actual the daily disciplines. Yeah. You know, I'm certainly not uh, having you on here today to, to promote Sisu, but I, I do want to drill <laughs> into that a little bit deeper because and not not Sisu, but what I want to drill into is, OK, how do you do that? Because what you're doing is you're actually finding out their why you're finding out what it is they want. And I call this positive accountability. You're working with them and coaching them towards their goals, not your goals. Right. So that's positive accountability. I think a lot of the world thinks of accountability as a negative thing. In fact, if you look it up in the dictionary, it has a negative connotation. Sure. But it's that positive accountability that actually gets these guys there. So if you get a, an agent that comes in, a new agent, or maybe once a month you shift goals with your agents or once a quarter or once a year, I don't know how often you do that, but maybe you could walk us through, Jeff, what that process is like for you and your leadership team. Yeah, yeah, certainly. There's a, Actually, it's interesting you bring that up because I, I do this all the time. And I may even have this here. But basically, I, I, I just recently sent out to the team – um, six different questions, right, that were asked. And the six questions were about really kind of what makes them tick, right? Like the six questions about, you know, who, like questions like, by them not achieving their goals, who does it affect? By them not doing what they're supposed to do, who suffers? Um, and getting a little more deep, a little bit more beyond really what uh, what's, you know, more than what they are, right? So, so to give you an example, I've got a couple of new agents that, that are just new into this and new into this type of thinking, you know, in this type of thoughts and, uh, you know, one of the, one of the, I've got several agents doing things, but you know, one of the agents on my team is a young guy, 21 years old, just the very first year in the business this year. So far, I think he's closed six units. He's got, I think he's eight units closed and pended. His goal is 24. Um, so he's tracking in the first quarter. He's done, done right. Done very well. And he's getting there. And so, you know, with him, we sat down and, you know, 21 year old dude that, that's, you know, he still lives at home and so forth. This is his dad. Um, okay. So, so I get into a little bit about his why, and so what's driving you? And if you made this kind of money and you make $150,000 or $200,000 this year, or that this income goal that you have, what are you going to do with it? What would be the most important to you about it? You know, and, and instead of getting into like with him about, oh, I want to go buy, you know, um, a new car or something, all these different fancy things, he and I kind of got deep into it. What came out of it was, you know, I, my mom lives with her brother and she's not in the best in home uh, environment and she lives out of the area. And so by me earning this money, I'm going to then rent a property for her, for her to move closer to me. And I can spend more time with her and get her out of the, out of the environment that she's in with her brother. And I said, okay, that's awesome. So let's, let's talk about some structure around that. And so what he's doing right now is every single month, he's putting a thousand dollars away, regardless um, whether he sells a home or he doesn't sell a home. Like he's forced for savings. I meant him go to the bank, get a separate account for his mom, call his mom up and say, mom, here's my promise to you. I, here's my goal for the year, 24 homes I'm going to sell. This is my income goal. And every time I get a check, I'm going to take a certain amount of the check. I'm going to put it towards your account so you can move out of this house and do, go to a different rental I can put you in. By the end of this year, I'm going to have the money saved 
to, to move you closer to me. And anyway, so the type of structure like that about getting a little bit more deeper, that's really going to fire him up, get him out of, get him out of, of, you know, out of bed in the morning. See our, our agents right now, a lot of them have, they're very hard workers, but we're trying to connect between the hard work and heart and really figure out what's inside of their heart. That's going to drive them. Right. We got a lot of, a lot of hard, like they're, they're, they got the grit. Like I love the, the name of your podcast. They've got that. Now it's figuring out the heart inside of them, like really what's going to push them through and motivate them and pull them towards their goal. So that was, that's something like that we're doing uh, with one of our agents. Um, they got several different stories like that, you know, that where we connect those personal uh, things that, that will drive them. If that makes sense. So, Yes. Uh, you know, if you're an agent listening to this, take this to heart and do this exercise by yourself. You know, if, if your team leader is not doing this, uh, it's definitely something you need to understand. Like, why are you in this business? And it's not because you like to look at houses because that's not the business you're in. You're in the business of sales. So Jeff, uh, you talked about failing out and you talked about the average, your average agent produces, you know, at a certain level, what, what is the level? If you don't mind sharing, what is, what is your average agent produce at a year? And then I'd like to get your vision of, you know, what's in the future uh, for the next few years. And personally, I think the market is at a place where, uh, you know, it's different than what happened in 08. It's basically, there's such a lack of inventory. I don't know if it's like this where you are, but such a lack of inventory that agents need to be more skilled to be buyer's agents. And I think it's going to weed out a lot of those agents. I'd like to get your perspective on that. Yeah. I mean, for sure. I mean, you know, so, so our agent, you know, average agent productive or agent per year productivity um, is, is hovering around 30, 32 units. Um, you know, if they're with me about 18 months or longer in the first ramp up time, you know, it's not uh, uncommon in the first 12 months, or in the first 18 months, they'll do 24 units. And then after 18 months, starting getting, you know, two and a half to three units a month is, is, is good. Now, we have some agents like this year, Frankie's already at 35 units or something like that already in the first, you know, through the almost the end of April. Yeah. So his goal is 60, right? And he's on track to do 60. I mean, this dude right now, Frank's been with me, he's been with me a long time, but his goal is, now he's an agent on my team. His goal is 60 units at 500,000 in income. He's already earned this year more income paid and closed what he made all of last year. Right. And then you have David on our team and David, you know, his goal is 120 this year. Right. And we've now brought him on an ISA personally and another personal assistant, a VA for him outside of our other right there. But, you know, he'll, he'll normally do like 80, 90 units or whatever annually. And this wow. is a guy that, you know, also that he makes, you know, right now, last year, he made over 350,000 bucks, 31 years old. Right. And then this year, his goal is to get to 400, you know, over hundred units, 120. Um, so, Long story short is we have these agents that they're young and they're, they're hungry and they're, they're doing it, but they've got to put the time in and that's what they're putting in for the first 12, you know, to 18 months to get themselves ramped up. You know, it's all about skills to win in this market. It's the most skillful agent. And I think that right now, you know, for us, the way our team is designed, we don't just have just a listing agent or listing division or listing side and the buyer side. We just have salespeople. So all of our agents right now are focused on always getting listings. We need inventory more than ever, right? Because inventory is low in all of our markets, but it's all hands on deck because we understand it's the leads, the listings, the leverage, it's the, lead, it's the listings that come in that generates the business. That's the gasoline, that's the fuel that will continue to, to make it roll. 
So our entire team prospects every single day, a minimum of three hours at a minimum of 30 contacts a day for seller listings, right? That's the focus. Now, some of them, you know, aren't as skillful as others. So their business might be 70% buyer sales, 30% listings, right? Could be, but a lot of them are going to be, you know, 50, 50, or even 60, 40, the other way, 60 listings, 60% listings sold. Yeah. Um, but so the answer to the question on that is just that we have listing focused, you know, agents all going for listings. And so we're always continuing to work on those skills of how do we get listings? What do we say? What's our objection handlers? How's our presentation? Understanding all about the markets, how to position ourselves on these presentations, understanding the how to interpret the market statistics and what's happening in the market, where it's going, where it's been. So it's that whole entire skill set, you know, yeah. but it's all focused around seller listings is the main number one kind of priority. Yeah, which I think is definitely where everyone should be focused today. And that'll the buyers will come automatically based on that. I mean, yeah, you gotta think about it, right? In this market we're in, look, if we always say like this, like there's a difference between being an employer and an employee. And, you know, if you look at a business, who typically makes more money, the employer or the, or the employee? Well, normally it's the employer, right? Well, it's the same way in the, in the, in the real estate community, a real estate business is when you have the listings, you're the employer and the agents in the MLS, the agents in your real estate community are your employees. They're actually working for you. They're showing your listings, right? They're bringing you offers. If you get that inventory, you get that listing. Being on the buyer side today, man, it, it, it's hard. It sucks. Like, think about it. Like every single deal you're going up against is multiple offers, you know, cash deals. It's just, it's a, it's a tough one, right? And if you don't, you don't have the skills on how to learn how to win with multiple offers being a buyer agent and you haven't gone through that and you haven't, you're not able to be confident enough, you're going to continue to lose. So I think that the industry itself looking out, out, out the next, well, next 24 months, if agents don't get skillful on the buy side, understand how to start winning these deals, they're, you're going to see them all. It's going to clear them out. Yeah. Or they're going to have to step up the game and learn how to get listings, which means also you got to get the skills on how to go be a listing agent, right? So... I think that, you know, it's like anything. I think that this next 12, 24 months, you're going to see that the you know most skillful agents are still going to rise at the top and the other ones are going to go out and get out of the business. I just, my opinion. Yeah. So the message I'm hearing, Jeff, is you need to sharpen your skills and you're either going to choose A, you're going to choose to sharpen your skills around being a buyer's agent. So you can actually get people under contract and learn how to communicate better with agents and learn how to say the right things and how to submit the right kind of offers. Or B, you're going to have to become a skilled listing agent, which means you're kind of starting over and figuring out how to how to set listing appointments and how to go out and get those listing appointments, right? And and then how to effectively sell listings. And for those of you new in the business, it hasn't always been that a listing sells in the first weekend, right? (laughs) What's going to happen when that changes and and it becomes, you know, that it takes six to 12 months to sell a listing again? Yeah. I mean, you know, nor- like, okay, in a normal market, like a normal market, normally you could say, okay, well, you know, your fastest way and the fastest way to make money quickly is you can take a buyer out this weekend that was pre-qualified, ready to go, get them under contract and close in 45 days and you get a paycheck. In a normal market, that can happen. It can happen that quick working with a buyer. In a normal market, you get a listing, you put it on the market, then it actually might sit on the market for 90 days, 120 days. 150 days, five months in a normal market. That's normal that properties would sell for three, four months, right? That's just a normal thing. 
So if you were a good listing agent, even if you got a good, well-priced listing, it still might not sell for three or four months. So that's when your paycheck would show up. So you have a choice as a new agent in normal market, buyer's agent, take a buyer out, sell them, close in 45 days, got paid quicker. That was the way we were coaching, right? Today, it's completely different, right? Today, you can't get a, well, you can get a buyer, get them under contract, but the, the chances of you getting them under contract is the key, right? Like that's the problem. That's the challenge, right? So you got to be very skillful to learn how to do that. Otherwise, if you could get the listing, boom, that's your paycheck in 45 days now. So it's a different time frame of what's going on in the market. And I think that it's going to be this way for a while until inventory starts to rise. But look, you know, it's called BC, right? Before COVID, even in all markets, inventory was low anyway. Markets were thriving and good anyway. Markets were still in an upswing seller's market. So, you know, even if, if we're down 50% in inventory right now, or even, you know, down, you know, two thirds of inventory down, which a lot of markets are, even if it comes back to where it was before COVID, the market was still good. It's got a long way to get there. But anyway, I think it's just either way, it, it, these agents right now, has you have to work on your skills. And that's that's the bottom line. I mean, you know, it's interesting because we do we do this exercise, right? We, work, we, we write down on a piece of paper, agent A and agent B. And if you wrote agent A and agent B, just, just picture this, write agent A, agent B on a piece of paper with a line in the middle, and then write 100 on each side, 100 and 100. And then below 100, if you write on this side, 80, and on the other side, write 50, okay? And then below that, write 5,000 on both sides. Well, what this is basically showing is this. Agent A goes on 100 appointments and converts 80%, and basically converts 80% and makes $5,000 each deal. Agent A makes 400,000 bucks. Agent B over here goes on the same amount of 100 appointments, but is only at 50% conversion, and each deal is worth 5,000 bucks. Agent B makes 250,000. Well, agent A and agent B actually both went out on 100 appointments and spent the exact amount of time. And yet agent A, because their skills, they converted between up to 80% versus 50 and they made $150,000 more in income. And it was all because of the presentation and the skills that agent A had versus agent B, but they just both spent the same amount of time. Right, so, so let's say somebody doesn't have the skills. How do you discover that? How do you know that? And how do you work with them to get their skills up, right? I mean, how do you identify those weaknesses, Jeff? That's, I yeah, mean, I mean, that's a big part of the key, right? You, you're bringing in these brand new agents and you're having to see, okay, where's the breakdown? Well, I think that number one is, is we, are in the, we are in the communication business. So the skill of communication, the skill of understanding what to say and how to say it, the language of real estate, understanding the objections, so starting out first is understanding, okay, if I'm going to present or I'm going to prospect for a buyer or seller, what's my conversation? What are the objections they're going to give me, right? How am I, what should I say if they say this? So understanding what to say and how to say that is first and foremost is learning the skills of, of you know, the language, the communication. Yes. Next part, I think, is you got to then take that and learn the inventory. You have to learn the market. You got to learn the product. So, you know, when, when someone comes on board with us, we put them through a, a, a basically a um, script masterclass that, you know, that I teach on and we do that twice a week. Um, and at the end of that class, we go from a, a typical regular, you know, regular call, just listed or an expired call all the way into a pre-qualification, all the way to the presentation of a, of a full listing presentation. And our agents have to do that in front of the agents and they, they present, we do a mock-up 
presentation. And in that, they're throwing objections to them. They're, you know, we're, we're, we're making it as real as possible. And at the end of that, you know, they're going to be judged on 10 different things. They're going to be judged on everything from their tonality to their body language, to their, to their rate of speech, to the mimicking, mirroring, and matching the client. They're going to be on their presentation of the material, the CMA presentation, like all of that. And we're going to rate them from one to 10, right? And if they score anything less than a seven, then they, then they have to go back through the class, right? So we're working on these skills all the time. So we judge them on, on that. We're putting them through a, a master class, and then they have to present to us, you know, as team members. So Jeff, I know you run a, an extremely successful business. We've been talking about how you work with your agents. How do you work with your admin team? Like, how do you make sure they're doing what they need to be doing? If you've been enjoying Grit, please help us continue to grow the channel by leaving a five-star review and sharing it with a friend. Now back to Grit. Well, you know, I, I've got great admin, you know, so we've got Scott on our team, who's our COO, and, uh, and, uh, and then and Jessica, who's our executive assistant. And then, you know, so they break down from there and they've got a lot of backup behind them. We have a listing manager. We've got five different VAs right now that Jessica runs and manages. So, you know, we get... First, we have a very, I guess, clear job description on, on what they should be doing and what's most important to them and where their focus should be and where their time should be spent. And then we break down like, you know, we do an exercise. I did this the other day with, with our executive assistant, Jessica, and we wrote, basically did the exercise of the more of, the less of, the start doing and the stop doing exercise, right? So we take a, you know, basically a plus sign or four quadrants, horizontal line, on a vertical line, horizontal line. And you got four quadrants and then up top in each one of those, you put less of and more of and at the bottom, start doing and stop doing. And I have them write down all the things that they want to do less of. It's not important or they want to delegate or they're just not happy with. What should they be doing more of? It's more productive. They write that down. What do they want to start doing? Like, what do they want to bring on? What system, what process that they see that's broken, but I need to start that. They write that. And then absolutely, what are they going to stop doing? Like, can we draw the line in the sand? No more. And then we basically take that and we look at it and say, okay, well, get the less of and the stop doing. That becomes someone else's job description and go find and hire that. Most time that's going to be to a VA. And then they just spend their time in the start doing and then to do more of so they can move forward. So we're coaching on those, those type of things on, on, on a, you know, a weekly, monthly basis to make sure that they're focused on what's most important. And the other things that aren't, we're, we're backing them up typically with a virtual assistant that can take that off their plate. Great. Okay. Um, you're part of this, uh, you're part of Gary Keller's mastermind. You have been for a long time. Like what kind of stuff are you guys hearing right now? And just not necessarily from Gary, but from, you know, that's a big group of teams that are super high producing teams. Like what is, what is the outlook of real estate based on what you're hearing from people like that and, and what, what you see? Yeah, well, I appreciate bringing it up. In fact, we had a, a mastermind meeting today, literally okay. this morning. This morning, so it's just, it's it's very uh, in the forefront. So, um, you know, I think that overall, when we look at some of the information that Gary provided us this morning, he was giving us a little bit of the data of the market between like what interest rates look like, um, how that's affecting the market, um, the GDP, how that's affecting the market, and basically, you know, the overall consensus is: look, the remaining part of 2021 is still going to be very, very good. Right. People are spending money. That's what we looked at today. Like, how about you? But if you go out to wherever you go to, right, you mountain bike, right? I, BMX, I, I bought a new BMX bike in December. I, I searched around the country. There was like two of them, the one I wanted. Yeah. And by the way, I broke a pair. I, I, I stripped out a pair of my cranks. So I called up the company. 
and they warranted them. But the but the color that I had black on my bike, they're like, we don't have them. They're, they're back ordered for two months. The, the actual factory, they're sending me a new pair, right? So the point I'm trying to make is the reason why they don't have them because they're sold out because people are buying it. People are spending money. They're just spending money. They've got the money and they're spending it. So that you know the GDP uh, overall, people are spending. Um, you know the stock market right now is is doing tremendous, doing very well. People are making money in the stock market. So between the stock market and interest rates and money being so cheap to borrow, this this is still going to be strong. For, I believe you know for the next twelve months, at least the remaining of twenty one. Now, you know Gary says and everyone else is thinking is by twenty twenty two. Who the hell knows? Nobody knows, right? It's a crapshoot. We just don't know. But I think that the remaining of this year will still be strong, just like it was 2020, as the overall consensus. One other thing that we talked about today is there's, you know, that as real estate agents, if you don't have a good relationship or consider getting one with some of these large developers and home builders, and because um, the affordability of, of homes, new homes affordability in the States is just, it's, it's non-existent. Like, you know, if you have a track home and your average price point of 250, 300,000 to build in a typical marketplace, every one of them sold, they're, they're gone. They can't keep up. So, you know, one of the, the, the ahas were, okay, go out and start finding land, you know, because we're going to, we don't have enough homes for homeowners to want to buy these houses right now, that affordable houses, right? New, new construction. Yeah. That was one thing that was interesting. Um, so, but overall, you know, the, the, the consensus of our meeting today was it's going to be a strong market, you know, um, but come 2022, we don't all know. Yeah. Okay. That's, uh, that's interesting. Uh, glad, glad I asked you that question. Yeah. You bought owning a real estate team. You bought a real estate brokerage a few years back. Yes. Can we, can we revisit that? How you made that happen? where that is at today. And like, I know you, last time I spoke with you about that, you had just made the purchase. You were just transitioning things. Like, was that a good move? Is that something so, that people should be doing? Like what? Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, look, I think that the, the ability to buy a real estate team, real estate business, um, whichever I think is, is awesome. In fact, I'm in, I'm in negotiation and with two that I'm looking at right now, uh, or not negotiations yet, but in the, the, the phase of, of the due diligence. Um, Discussion, basically. Of it. Yeah, yeah, basically just going over it and uh, trying to figure out the valuations and so forth. So um, so this deal, um, I didn't I didn't per se buy it where a typical purchase would be where we'd establish an evaluation based upon the multiple and say, okay, it's worth X and I'm going to pay you X over a period of time. What I was able to do was I was able to go into an, um, an existing independent company that uh, is also in a resort secondary market in the Outer Banks. And the, um, uh, they, had, they have a rental division and then they have their sales division. And the sales division at the time had about 30 agents. And the company has been established for 30 plus years, but their real focus was on their, on their, you know, their summer rentals, right? Their vacation rentals, their weekly rentals, and not so much on their salespeople. But the salespeople that were there were salespeople that had been there a long time, had some loyalty to the company. But the average was the average agent there was, you know, probably at the end of their, uh, or towards the end of their career. So they're the veteran agents, you know, been around for a while. I took over the sales team and basically the first year just came in and powered them, uh, gave them the ability for our CRM, gave them some leads, uh, been able to, to take on their current database of the rentals and the, and the tenants um, in, this, in this company and, and promote them and get their interest and then send them back to the agents. Um, so that was the typical model and coaching and training them up a bit. Uh, as much as I could. That was for the first year. And um, so we structured a deal out where a certain amount of the company dollar coming in 
you know, went to me and a certain percentage went back to the company uh, that, that these agents came from. And basically we kept the, kept the name. We did bring them over to Keller Williams, but we just called the company Resort Realty and that came as Resort Realty Team under KW. And so I just managed that part. I went down there about once a month, once, you know, once, you know, every, every maybe five weeks. How far, um, far away was that from you? It's about, it's about a strong eight hour drive. You know, oh, wow. seven and a half, seven and a half, eight hour drive. Yeah. I mean, I'd leave it, you know, nine in the morning, I'd pull in there at, you know, at five o'clock in the night, you know what I mean? Um, and then, so it's, it's an all day deal. Um, it's, it sounds and, like it's worth a flight, Jeff. The problem, it, well, for sure, I would do it in a minute. The problem is there's no, the, you would actually drive there quicker than you can get a flight because you, there's nowhere, there's nowhere to fly into. Oh, really? I, fly, I would have had to fly to like Virginia Beach and I would have to get, go to out of Philadelphia, which is an hour and a half ride and flight there, which is two hours and then, then drive another three hours. You know, like it was just like the same thing. Yeah. I was just, you know, yeah. um, and, then, you know, and then I have to rent a car and stuff. So anyway, the, uh, the deal itself was a good deal. Um, but I might, my, my deal with them was, was in September of 2020 that I had to make a decision to where do I want to go with this? Well, the agents themselves weren't, I'd say, um, you know, the pillars I talked about earlier, the structure, the accountability, the hunger, not what I learned out of those, a lot of them weren't, weren't those agents that were going to fit my model that I could actually bring them in to my value proposition that I normally would do. We had well, agents there. Resort uh, real estate is significantly different than yeah, the prospecting sure. real estate that, that you run, right? It's a totally different. And, you know, yeah. you have these agents that are veteran agents and, you know, I can provide them a lot of leads and provide them a lot of services and, and value. And, and ultimately they were like, you know what, I'm, I'm doing four or five deals a year and I'm okay with that. I don't need to do 10 or 12 and or, or your goals of getting me the two a month. Right. They were okay. They were kind of com- much complete. They're just comfortable where they were. And, but yet the problem was I had 30 of those all doing four deals each. Right. So it's a hundred plus transaction business at a, at a great sales price, you know, an $80 million business, but yet same time, you know, it, it just wasn't the model. So what I did with September was I said, okay, those agents that want to come over here, then great, we'll work with you on our model. Those that don't, then we're going to be, you're just going to become an independent agent inside KW. And almost 90% of them went that direction. So I've got other agents now that we're working with that are more or less a different model, but still working under us through our CRMs and our leads and paying us referral fees off of it, but we're not giving them the full services. So Anyway, that deal ended uh, at the end of March. So that was an 18-month deal. Uh, okay. So that's where, we're at. that's where we're sitting right now. Okay. So it sounds like you are looking at, even though you had that experience, you are still looking at possibly buying a couple of other teams right now. For sure. Yeah. yeah that was that was a little bit different because that, that wasn't, a, wasn't ultimately a team per se. It was an actual office. It was an actual, you know, full-on full on brokerage that just merged yeah. into our team. And then, you know, but the deal was for the first year, like they weren't coming on my splits. I still had to keep them on their splits. You know, it's like any other independent brokerage. A lot of these agencies are paying these agents 70, 80% splits. Well, if you only have 20% or 25% in company dollar and then you take on all the expenses, there's no money left over, right? Right. So, yeah. so the deal the deal itself wasn't as profitable as you might look and say, unless you can bring them over to the real true team model, you know, where you have more of an expansion model. Yeah, the, the brokerage model and team model are two different, two different yeah, things, right? For sure. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Jeff. Well, uh, it's always fun. I wanted, I, I have a couple more questions for you on a personal note, but before we go there, I'd love to just get like 
what's what's one piece of advice that you'd like to share with everybody based on where we're at today other than other than of course learning your skills because we've we've dug into that deep deeply but you know what what's something that you'd want to make sure that uh, everyone knows today in today's world gosh you know there's so many i guess there's so many things um if you're look you know, if you're a brand new agent, let's assume that there's a new agent listening to this or you're, you're getting into business, make sure you have enough money saved, right? I always tell all agents, you gotta have six months money saved, put away. And 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 so you can focus on the business 100%, dive in two feet. You know, that's for the new agent. Um, it's always hard if an agent's part-time and bartending at night or waitress or waitressing here or there, and they're, you know, they gotta be at another job at three o'clock or four o'clock and they work. It's just hard to get going, right? Yeah, it takes a long time. So that, I think that's something that you need to know there. For the veteran agent or the agent that's out there right now, or agent that's already already in the business, um, you know, what do they need to know? I, I, you know, I would just say that look at you know, I can look at an agent right now, in two things. If I looked at your schedule and I looked at your bank account, what would the story tell? In other words, you know, is your are you earning the income that you want? And one of the reasons, if you're not earning the amount of income you'd like to earn most likely it's your schedule or your calendar is, is off on the activities that you're doing. So I would only share with somebody is really analyze the time you're spending and make sure that you're spending the right time on what matters most. And we talk about that being in your top 20%, right? Spending your top 20% of activities that will generate you the 80% of your results. And that's the two things I would just, uh, you know, just, just share. Great. Thank you. Thanks for that. Jeff, what, what would you attribute your success to? Like how long have you been in this business now? 29 years. 29 forever. years. I thought you were younger than that. I mean, I saw a picture of you on a BMX bike with a trophy in your hand just a week ago. So yeah. you've been in this business for 29 years. Yeah, I'm like a grandpa, man. Like I've been around this thing forever. Jesus. Yeah. 1990, I got in 1992 and I was 19 years old, right out of high school. That's all I know. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, man. Yeah. Okay. So uh, obviously you've got grit, you've got the, you know, you mastered the skills, you've done everything you needed to do. And that's probably how you became a team leader and decided to, to, to share that over. So thanks for, for doing that. So just on a personal note, like as far as learning, like where's the place that you go to learn? It's a, I mean, I I'm learning in so many areas. I mean, every single day. There's not a day that I don't learn. So my, my day, I read a lot or I listen to audiobooks a lot. I listen to podcasts, your podcasts, other podcasts. I'm a junkie when it comes to that. And I have been a long time. I mean, back to the cassette days and you put cassettes and CDs in your car. So I learn a lot from there. I learn a lot from others, studying other people and masterminding and, you know, spending the right time around others. I ask a lot of questions. And so that's some of the skills that I've learned about learning. I mean, you know, every morning, this is just something want to get personal. I'll just tell you, I listen in the shower every single morning to a book or a podcast or an interview or something like literally I take my phone, put it up on the ledge, shampoo, shampoo, you know, yeah, there. Right. And I turn it on now. You know, if it's 15 minutes or 10 minutes, I'm in the bathroom, right? By myself, it's my time. My wife knows, kid knows, like they all know not to come in the bathroom because you can hear it, right? 
right? Like, because then they like come in and try to start talking to me, and I'm like, geez, now I got to put pause on there, like, and I get all annoyed. But that's like my my little time while I'm getting ready, and I have a walk-in closet, and I I put my phone up on the shelf where my shoes are as I get dressed, right? Right. So you know, it's just a time frame that I can block out. That's my little twenty-minute time, or whatever it may be, and many other times during the day. But that's one place I learn. So obviously you've read or listened to a lot of books. What's one book that you would recommend everyone in real estate listen to or read? Well, gosh, there's so many of them. I mean, okay. So um, let me just, let me just. something that stands out. I mean, I, I know there's, I, I know there's a bunch. Yeah. I mean, one that stands up as we speak, cause it's just my focus at the kind of right now is, yeah. um, but I think it's a great book. It's called um, Wealth Ability. And Wealth Ability is written by uh, Tom Wilwright. I'm sorry, not Wealth Ability, excuse me. That's the name of his company. But Tom Wilwright's book called Tax-Free Wealth. Tax-Free Wealth. And he owns a company called uh, Wealth Ability, but, but um, Tom Wilwright's the author. And Tom's one of the nation's best, CP, best CPAs. But basically what, the, what I learned on this book is just tax strategies, how to uh, reduce your net taxable income, how to get your net tax rate down, uh, understanding the IRS code where you should be investing your money for passive income and also getting the greatest tax benefits. See, getting into real estate, if I had learned these strategies, from this book and what they're teaching back when I first started, gosh, I, I would have, I would have saved millions of dollars in, in taxes. And that's our biggest, biggest expense. So that's one thing I think that anybody right now can learn from anybody new getting the business is getting your, your, your tax structure, right. And understanding where to invest and how to get your, um, your net taxable income down, you know, so you're not paying, I know as much as we do, because we all pay too. That's our biggest expense. That's the I one love, that just comes up. I love that you didn't go to a book that was just about real estate or motivation, but it's about wealth building. And I mean, I think real estate, the industry has been known forever and the industry is different, but it used to be, it was full of real estate agents that worked for a brokerage. Now you have all these team owners and people on teams, even like some of the agents on your team that are making 300, 500 grand. Right. Um, it's, it's a different world. You can sell more homes now. You can actually build a business. So there's an opportunity to really create and drive wealth versus spending everything you make. So uh, I, I think that's equally as important that everyone learn those strategies and skills as well. So thanks yeah, for sharing. Sure. Yeah, I mean, it's um, one thing, one thing you make money, but then we also, it's the next thing is how much do we save? You know, after, after all said and done, how much do we have left to invest? That's the key. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So in your personal time, Jeff, what's your favorite thing to do? Um, yeah. I mean, obviously spending time with my wife and kids and stuff. That's always fun. You know I mean? It's always good um, to do personal stuff. Um, you know, like I like mentioned earlier, I'm back into BMX bike racing right now. I, I'm just on a high of that right now. Uh, I did that as a kid. And I got back on the bike. Literally, my first race was March 20th this year after 33 years. So that's, uh, I've been spending time there and, you know, go to the, I went to the track last night and practiced race every Saturday, sometimes twice in the, in the weekend. Wow. Um, so that's fun, you know, and then I, I actually, Sunday night, I played roller hockey. So I'm getting, I play roller hockey. And I do that for fun. I surf when, the, you know, when, when the water warms up here. So I'm very active as far as those kind of things. A lot of extreme kind of sports, I guess you would say you know, than your typical, you know, ones. Um, so that's fun. Um, that's about it really. 
Yeah. So you love extreme sports. So what is it, what was it that drove you after 33 years of not doing it to get back on the BMX bike and not only get back on it, but to compete competitively? Yeah. I mean, you know, so I would always, I, I, I've stayed in touch with a, with a couple of guys that got back in it. Right. Like, so guys that were racing with us in the, in the late eighties and so forth. And they're, and many of them got back in. So I've been following Facebook and stuff like that and seeing what they're doing. I'd stop out the track last couple of years. And I'm like, man, you know what, what would it be like if I got back in? And I was always thinking like, oh, this is a kid thing. Like, you know, there's, you know, teenagers and little kids and stuff. And I would ask them like, you know, literally if I get back in the 46 to 50 group, is there anybody racing? They're like, dude, you have no idea. There's a ton of guys in it. And sure, <laughs> there is, I mean, you know, I'll show up. There's eight guys. There's just 12 guys. I mean, there's not just two, like at a, at a you know, at a state event, you go to nationals, it's, it, there's a hundred, you know what I mean? Like in this, and that, and by the way, I'm starting back to the novice. There's, that's just novice. Then it goes to intermediate, then it goes to expert. But if you look at the whole entire group, there's a lot of riders between 46 and 50 years old right now, believe it or not. So it just inspired me to do that, you know, and, and, you know, the COVID thing, I was, I was getting a little bit lazy and, you know, I'm not the guy, I don't, I don't like going to the gym. I mean, I, I go to working out and stuff like that. It just gets me boring. I'd rather go out and do something. Right. And bikes have always been a passion of mine. And, and, uh, I just said in December, I told my wife, I'm buying myself a, uh, my Christmas, Christmas present for myself. I'm getting back into BMX bike racing. So I went full in, bought a bike, the helmet, the gear, everything. And then I would just go out the track, start practice riding it, you know? So now here I am, you know, five months later. Yeah, I think it's awesome. I, yeah. I'm a big mountain bike rider and uh, getting out and the fresh air and doing what you love to do. There's nothing, nothing like that. It's a great, great way to stay in shape as well. So, uh, Jeff, thank you so much for being on today. I really have enjoyed our time together as always. Uh, I do want to just ask how, how, what's the best way to get a hold of you for people uh, who might be listening that may have some questions for you as a follow-up? Yeah, sure. I guess the easiest way is, is to email me, jeff at thequintingroup.com. And that's spelled Q-U-I-N-T-I-N uh, group.com, jeff at thequintingroup.com. You can hit me up on any social, social media at, at Jeff Quinton. Um, that's probably the best places to, to reach me. All right, Jeff, uh, congratulations on all of your success listeners. Thank you again for joining us on the show this week. And if you guys will go click that subscribe button and also just give us a review that will help us be able to get, uh, you know, more people like Jeff on the show. So Jeff, thanks again. And we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Brian. It's a pleasure to be here. Appreciate it. Thank you for joining us on our podcast. If you have an interest in a free seven-day trial of Sisu, go to sisu.co, S-I-S-U dot C-O. Make sure that you use the coupon code GRIT, that's G-R-I-T, to waive all your setup fees and receive a 10% discount on your subscription. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast and want to subscribe, search GRIT, the Real Estate Growth Mindset on iTunes, Spotify, or Podbean. And with that, we'll catch you next time. Take care.